0: Welcome, welcome to 720 and 720. Uh, this is John Schulman. I'm giggling and laughing because our guest is absolutely certifiably crazy. He is a big-time guy. He's in the Major League Baseball with the Cincinnati Reds Hall of Fame. Uh, we have Dave Bristol, who is a former manager of the Reds, former manager of the Braves. Welcome, Coach Bristol, to a podcast. Thank you so much.
1: Nice being with you, John. Well,
0: I, I just asked you, I, I just asked you before we kind of went live, um, had you ever been on a podcast? And what did you say? I can't even spell it. <laughs> listen, listen, do you know, let me ask you this. Are you are you on any social media whatsoever? None. Do you know what social media is?
1: No, and don't want to learn. <laughs>
0: all right all right now listen i ran in see just a little backstory i'm a cincinnati reds fanatic and i grew up um being a cincinnati reds huge fan uh the mid 70s when the big red machine was rocking and rolling and so dave bristol was one of my heroes and um so I, I, I went to a – we were at a golf tournament, Pat Boone's golf tournament, wasn't it? Pat Boone's golf yeah, tournament yeah. It's a Bethel Bible. And uh, we had three players, and we needed uh, a fourth. And this, this cart drove out and, and brought this old guy. You were old then, by the way. I just want to make sure you knew that. And, <laughs> and I saw a red golf bag on the bag. It had a Cincinnati Reds logo, and it had Bristol on it and and I think I looked at you and went sir are, are are you dave bristol and and from that moment on, it was love at first sight, correct yes, sir,
1: yeah, I mean we, it was fun. I loved that tournament it was always a good I, and i made good friends with you and remain that way today
0: well tell me are you are you still playing golf yes,
1: yes, weather permitting it's been a bad winter for golf up here in North Carolina, Western North Carolina.
0: All right, so Coach Bristol, number one, uh, you're in your mid 80s, and you're still you're still coaching. You're coaching over at Young Harris College, correct?
1: Well, after seeing them hit yesterday, I doubt if I'll be invited <laughs> back. Did y'all have a
0: Did y'all have a game?
1: Yeah, they 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 beat uh, Clark University a doubleheader.
0: And so you won. I mean, you, so you must have hit the ball okay.
1: Yeah, I, that's fine. But I didn't like the way some of the hitters reacted. To a little old left-hander that you could catch with a power of pliers, and they didn't hit him like they should have.
0: <laughs> uh, all right, let's go back and see if your memory can help you a little bit. Let's go back to your – your career, all right. You're a North Carolina guy. You grew up exactly where you're living right now, Andrews. Correct? Yes. And and then you ended up at at Carolina. How did you get in North Carolina in Chapel Hill? That's one thing I wanted to know. That's the first question. How did you get How in did school I go there?
1: Go to Carolina. Yeah. Well, hey, like anyone else, I had already signed with the Reds when I was out of high school. I went to Baylor School in Chattanooga. And graduated there and was signed by the Reds. And then I wanted to go to college somewhere. And instead of go, being smart and going to Western Carolina near home, I had to be a big guy and go to Carolina. And uh, there wasn't a gymnasium door open or a football field open or a baseball field that I didn't see. That was the classrooms <laughs> my first year in
0: college. So you forgot to go to class.
1: You got to go to class, but those I was, i love sports so much. I, I, I you know, I—I I couldn't play at Carolina because I'd already signed professionally.
0: So you but didn't. Was, so, so, so you played with the Reds. So you were playing with Cincinnati. So you never played baseball at Carolina.
1: No, you can't. I sign professionally back then. I, I didn't know play. if you had
0: signed. So you did sign professionally <laughs> to play with the Reds. All right and then you go to Carolina. How long did you stay at Carolina for? I
1: stayed my freshman year and my one quarter, my sophomore year, and, and then transferred to Western Carolina.
0: So you were playing professional baseball in the summer uh, and then coming back and finishing up your schoolwork at, yeah. dur- during it the winter. Me, it
1: took me eight years to get a degree, but going just two quarters a year. But luckily at that time, Western Carolina was on the quarter system instead of semester. And uh, I got my degree.
0: So, how long did you play professional baseball for?
1: Well, from 1951, and my last year with the Reds was 1993.
0: So you you were you were you were in baseball for 42 years.
1: Well, yeah, if your
0: math is correct. <laughs> all, right. all right, all right. So I so, loved
1: every minute of it, John, but, and I was fortunate to manage some of the best players that the Reds organization ever had.
0: Well, that's why I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about, so you became the Reds manager when you, were, was that right, 33 years old? Yes. 33, and and you are you are actually managing and, and coaching guys probably older than you at that moment.
1: Oh, yeah. Joey Jay and Joe Nux all were older. That's two guys that come to mind right quick that were older than I was.
0: Joe Knux always one started uh, he started pitching in the majors when he was probably 16 17 years old.
1: Yeah, 15.
0: 15 years old, my fault. My fault. So you, <laughs> your memory is pretty good. All right, tell me, tell me you're with the Cincinnati Reds, you're 33 years old, uh, did was I, what I want to know in this podcast, which by the way, this is an informative uh, something on air that that people can listen to uh to Help young players, young coaches, and just business leaders. anybody that that listens, uh, tell us uh, some of the guys you coach. Did you ever did you did you coach Pete Rose?
1: I managed Pete Rose in the minor leagues and uh, in the big leagues also.
0: What what I want to know because I'm a Reds fan. What I want to know is is why. You know, why Pete Rose? What made him different? What made him special? Why did he become what he was? I'm not talking about off the field. I'm talking about on the field. Uh, why is he different than... than Desire
1: to be better than anybody else, and he was greedy for a base
0: hit. So desire to be better than anybody else.
1: Yes, yeah, and he worked at it. He worked at it.
0: So that's uh, what that's what he did. That's who he was.
1: Yes, yes. He's always that way. I remember in spring training before uh, he signed in 1960, and I didn't have him until 1962, but I'd see him in spring training. And he was always asking, come hit me some ground balls, come throw back in practice. He, he was a workaholic, and it paid off for him. One time uh, at Macon, we were playing Greenville, a Dodger farm club, he was old for two the first inning, and then wound up the game five for seven.
0: So he he was just he was just different. Where did where did you, you where do you think he got that? That's what I'm trying to get figured out. Did he get that from home? He get that from his dad. He just got that in a in a yes. People from, are from born from his
1: family. His daddy played a semi pro football till he was 43 years old. Forty three and he pushed Pete a lot. He pushed him. Pete didn't have the best ability of all the players I managed, but he worked. He would outwork everybody.
0: Um. Now, now we and he was a good, good guy on the club.
1: Good, great guy. Still remain a good friend
0: today. All it's right.
1: just a shame that he got associated with the wrong people. Yeah,
0: he's just a competitive guy, and that, that gambling's a competitive thing too. He's just a competitive guy, and probably needed a way to. To be competitive when he wasn't playing baseball, he's a competitive human. I bet he competes in everything that he does.
1: But he and Rose and Hel- Rose Helms, Perez, Bench, Lee May, all those guys—they were—it they, was a heck of a team. It was a heck of a team.
0: Tell me, tell me about those. Okay, so Rose just an unbelievable work ethic, and that's why. So you're saying guys were much better, much more talented, more athletic and, than than Pete Rose coming up.
1: Yeah, they yeah, Pete, They a lot of guys could outrun Pete, but nobody ran harder, tried harder.
0: <laughs> uh, well, we we got something in basketball. Davidson uh over near Charlotte. Davidson had Steph Curry. Uh they they had they had and I want basketball coaches to understand this, they had uh, average athletes at best, and they had the best fast break of anybody in the league. And you're going, how can they have average athletes at best and the best fast break in the league? Because they ran harder every single time than everybody else did. Now, everybody else had better athletes, but they ran faster. And, and so I, I I never understood that. So I talked to a couple of Davidson guys. They said, well, we run harder than you do every single time. Now, you may win the race one time, but we're going to run it, you know, 80 times in a game, and, and you're going to get tired of running it. And Pete Rose ran like that every single time, correct? Exactly.
1: That's a perfect example, perfect example. He took nothing for granted.
0: Tell me, when did he start? Because, I mean, half our listeners don't even know who Pete Rose was. Uh, t- when did he start? Because he made something famous. If he ever walked or got hit by a pitch, he sprinted down to first. Uh, when, yeah. he, when did he start that? No one does that. No one's ever done that before. Why did he do it?
1: Uh, because that's the way he was taught by his father how to play the game. Give it all you got every single minute. And that's a good example, like you are talking about the Davidson team. Uh, Pete's a perfect example of that. Run, run, run. Do all you can every single minute. I never saw Pete Rose make a base running mistake in my life. And that's that's saying something. He he always knew where the ball was. He always knew where the outfielders were playing, when he could take an extra base. He never made a mistake on the basis,
0: so he was that guy you could just count on all the time
1: yeah he uh, uh, yeah how, how yeah, about how about as a teammate?
0: It. How about as a teammate? Tell me about him as a teammate
1: Well, hey, you saw what the Philadelphia Phillies did when he went over there. He yep. inspired a lot of those guys, and they won a championship in nineteen eighty when he signed on to play with the Phillies.
0: What made him a great teammate?
1: Well, his desire. And he he's always the first one at the ballpark, and he worked at it. And he knew how to play the game of baseball.
0: He knew how. We, we always talked about in basketball, enthusiasm is contagious. And it just takes – It
1: certainly is.
0: It, it just, anything else. It just takes one guy. It takes one guy to change the whole culture of a program – And and if that guy's enthusiastic and he's respected, then he can change the whole culture of a program, a whole culture of an organization. I'm assuming Rose did that wherever he went.
1: Yeah. Well, Hey, what's wrong with giving your best ever? If you don't want to play, don't show up. But when you show up, let's go play. It's supposed to be fun.
0: Back in your day. And, and I'm about back in your day myself. All right. You're a little older than me, but, uh, Today's athletes, tell me the difference as you see it. And I know probably today's athlete probably drives you a little crazy. Tell me the difference between today's athlete uh, and, and guys that you managed um, in the 70s. Well, that's a tough question. Well, this, I'm not this around a, it's,
1: today's athletes. You're, like,
0: around, like. you're around those guys at Young, Young Harris. Yeah. So so explain those athletes compared to the ones that you coached you know and I would say that some of these guys at Young Harris College which is in Northwest um, well Northwest Georgia up in the mountains are as talented uh, as some of those guys you probably coached in the minors or majors back in the back in the the or you well, played I'll with back you a in the 50s example
1: Charlie Blackman who it was, was outfielder with the Colorado Rockies. Yep. Played at Young Harris.
0: Pr- when it
1: was a junior college. And then he went on to Georgia Tech and played. And he, he, he I told him, uh, I've gotten to know Charlie Blackman well. He's a modern-day Pete Rose. He plays hard every single time and loves the game and is a great teammate at Colorado. That's a perfect example. Those guys today, I, show, I showed them the other day. I said, there's four guys who are in the Young Harris Hall of Fame. How about you being one of the, the fifth or sixth one to go up there? And all it takes is hard work and sh- show up. they got a good coaching staff now, and uh, they play hard. They play hard. What? what? I, I wouldn't go over there if it wasn't. I'd love to go over there.
0: What would you tell young guys, Young, forget about coaches right now, young players, young players playing baseball, basketball, it doesn't matter, football, it doesn't matter, because I bet you played it all back when you were young. For, first of all, should you should you play three sports, or should you specialize in one sport when you're 12 no, years old? No, go
1: play everything. you your ability you'll, you'll finally come out which one's best for you, I think. That's what I tell You know, that travel ball and special and – that's nothing except make somebody some money. They don't get coached in travel ball. Well, that,
0: They're that's just spending what
1: spending the parents' money. I think. Well, it's what I thing wanted I, for baseball well, in the world.
0: What I wanted from you this morning is is for you to be very real and for to let us know uh, back in the day that things haven't changed that much. Uh, you can play, still play three sports. Uh, you can still – all right, so so young guys, what would you advise young guys 15, 16, 17 years old? What are the keys to – you know, absolutely keys to getting to the big leagues, but what are the keys to being successful?
1: Well, first you've got to have a little ability, and the second biggest thing is do you want to play and desire and to work hard uh, 24-7 at it? Hey, how do you think I got to the big leagues from this little remote town in Western North Carolina?
0: Well, tell us about
1: it. Fear of failure. I didn't want to come back home and tell those people that I couldn't play and them make fun of me. I, I worked hard all the time, and I started managing the minor leagues when I was 23 years old. I wanted to stay in baseball and everything. And my desire to work hard and help other people, it worked out. Is a heck of a career that I'm proud of.
0: Well, you should be proud of it because you – I don't know about – you know, being proud is is being with the Reds in my eyes, not the Yankees, no one else, the Braves, no one else. I'm a Reds guy. So, what, I mean, if you drove up in that golf cart with the Braves thing, I, I, I think I'd have sent you to another hole.
1: Well, I probably wouldn't <laughs> <No. laughs> Ted Turner, I know. I wouldn't have had the Braves. I'm proud. I'm proud. To, uh, I, I worked for the Reds four different times. I coached for Rose. I coached for Perez And then I was sent by the Reds to the Rookie League Club in night, 2007 to T- evaluate.
0: Tell me about Rose as a manager. Tell me about, you know, we talked to him about it as a player. Tell me about him as a manager.
1: Good. He listened to his coaches and uh, I was with him the year that he got suspended and I thought he handled it great. He handled the press because they were hounding him like mad from spring training on when that story broke in Sports Illustrated until August 24th when they suspended him. He, He handled the press great and it didn't bother him. He listened to the coaches and, uh, I just can't say enough good things about it. He handled it super.
0: Who are some other guys?
1: That's a special thing, too.
0: Well, dealing with the media and dealing with what he had to deal with, um, you know, he's still, uh, you know, to me, to me he picked, and you tell me this, he picked the wrong vice. He picked the wrong problem to have because if he had had a drug problem, then he'd be in the Hall of Fame. If he had had another type of problem, he'd still be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, he picked the wrong vice to have because what he did on the baseball field uh, was amazing. Uh, no I question. No I, I think the best player had ever played the game, and people argue with me about that. But I, I thought he played the game the right way. and the right way is is he, his effort in a meaningless baseball game in the all-star game it wasn't the all-star game at that moment wasn't to determine who got home field advantage in the world series correct back in the day yeah it was a meaningless baseball game and he goes around trucking around and and people thought he was nuts he put ray fossey on his back and separated his shoulder right
1: (laughs) yeah
0: all right to, to do what to win the game correct
1: isn't that the object of the of the game?
0: Well, it, it used to be, Coach Bristol. It used to be the object of the game, and now I think we're a little screwed up. I, I think we <laughs> we played too many games. I don't know. You tell me, travel baseball, and I mean, when you were growing up, tell me was it was your dream to play in the bigs? What What were you like growing up? Were you basketball, football, or just a baseball guy?
1: No, uh, everything. But I had to hitchhike eighty miles to Canton, North Carolina to try to make the Haywood County American Legion team. <laughs> and made it, and then I got to stay over there in the summer. That was a big thing for me. See, 80 you... miles hitchhiking in western North Carolina. Never failed to get back home. I'd hitchhike on Saturday morning, go practice. Stayed over with a family. Hitchhiked back on Sunday afternoon. Never got left, and it never got rained on. <laughs>
0: so... So so you hitchhiked 80 miles both you get ways. to play
1: American Legion ball, yes. Just to try to make the team, and I made
0: it. And, and that's what propelled you. How old were you at that moment? Six, 15 and 16. You were 15 years old out there hitchhiking. Would that be called travel ball? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Listen, we've had some moments on this podcast that have been good. That would officially be called Travel Ball. Yes, if you (laughs) you hitchhike. Yes, 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 Coach Bristol, that's Travel Ball. Uh, uh, Did your family have a car at that moment? No. Y'all didn't have a car?
1: No, my family never had a car.
0: Y'all didn't have a car, so you hitchhike 80 miles to make a team when you were 15 years old. Yeah. And you made the team. And then and then how'd the Reds see you? how'd that happen?
1: Well they uh the Cincinnati Scout came through Chattanooga and read something about the uh player at Baylor is working out with the Chattanooga Lookouts and he probably signed with the uh, with that or, with the Washington organization. And the scout called my mother and said don't let him sign till I come see him. So when he got here the he was sitting on the front porch when the Washington scout came to sign me and that made him mad. And he whisked me off to Columbia, South Carolina to work out because he'd never seen me play. That was a Red Farm Club in Columbia South. It rained three days, so we didn't so he put me on a train to Cincinnati, and I worked out a week up there.
0: With the with and the red, how with, how old were you at that time?
1: Seventeen. I just graduated at Baylor.
0: And you did graduate, correct? Because I can go uh, back? Listen, yeah, I live I in Chattanooga. Coach Bristol, I live in Chattanooga. I can go over and check those records any time. <laughs> Do so, what so you did so you did graduate from from Baylor yeah,
1: Baylor not Macaulay
0: <laughs> Oh god you're a funny guy Hey that guy. was
1: a great experience I played for one of the best football coaches that ever lived Who's that Harvey Haywood.
0: Yeah the, the the stadium's named after him right now
1: Legend legend
0: so, so you go from Baylor, go back home, and then now you went from Columbia, and it's raining. You went to Cincinnati on a train. Yeah. All right, you go to Cincinnati. Who are you working? Out? Are you working out with the big team with the with the major league team? Yeah. You're seventeen. Ted
1: Kazuska, Grady uh, Hatton, Joanne Hancock, Roy McMillan. Were you? Hey, you think that wasn't fun?
0: Were you freaking out at 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 a moment, or were you just ready to roll? Scared to death. <laughs> all, right. Ha, uh, all right. So you must have done pretty good because you got signed by the Reds.
1: Well, it worked out. It sure did. That was hey,
0: that was before that the Internet, say, wasn't it?
1: I didn't have much ability. <laughs> I don't know how I made
0: it. What do you if mean? If I were managing
1: me today, I might have had to release me because my ability wasn't that good.
0: Well, how would you make it then?
1: I told you fear of failure.
0: So that's what you lived by fear. Fear of failure. You just didn't want to go yeah. back home.
1: Yeah, and the desire to be to stay in baseball.
0: Well, I, I'm going to tell you this: we've had some great, great podcasts, uh, and we're just trying to teach coaches and business people and players. But fear of failure uh, is, is an unbelievable motivator, and it motivated me, and it it's motivated a lot of. People. So that was your main. That was your main thing: fear of failure. Just to not make it, not not to have to go back home.
1: That's right. What what would you have done back run home? Not or throw that well, or had no power. Hey, all those things that you grade players on that I later had to do. But I I, I I I told you earlier, I was fortunate to manage some of the best players that the Reds had. From Cuba, we had a working agreement with Cuba at that time. Tony Perez came out of there. And he's one of the finest people and finest players I ever managed.
0: What do you mean you had a working agreement with Cuba?
1: Well, that means that they had first signed on. Uh, Gay Paul was good friends with Bobby Madura, who owned the Havana Sugar Kings, a A farm club. And uh, they worked out a deal where we we had first shot it at Cuban players.
0: So the Reds did yeah, was anybody, we
1: had a lot of them. We got a lot of them.
0: Was anybody else going down to Cuba at that moment? Any of the other yeah, organizations?
1: Senators signed a lot of them. They signed uh, Pedro Ramos, but Camilo you, Pasquale. They got a good, yeah.
0: But you had first dibs on them.
1: Well, for a few years till Castro took over.
0: <laughs> and that messed up things. Yeah. Well, yeah. Perez, Perez... Uh, as I grew up, Perez was our guy, was my guy, and and Concepcion was my guy, and Foster out and left was my guy. Uh, I didn't get a chance to pick Pete Rose because my brother picked Pete Rose. Uh, my sister had Joe Morgan. We we had the whole squad. You did now. When did you leave? When did you leave Cincinnati? The first time
1: after the '69 season.
0: So you were going at okay. So where'd you head at that moment? Milwaukee.
1: Milwaukee Brewers.
0: All right, so you are with the Brewers as the manager with the Brewers? Yes. Uh, tell me your favorite spots, your most success, your biggest issues, uh, what you learned by being a manager, what you can relate to uh, to coaches now. Well, where did you, where what did I how did most, you screw up? I, what was good? How did how did you screw up? Tell us about it all. I grew up. No, how'd you screw up? where how where did you screw up along the way where did you uh what well, was the good did, things well, that I you did won
1: two more games in uh, Cincinnati since 1969 i think i'd stay
0: it was just you about got to win you got to win
1: yeah well we we were eliminated the last day of the season uh went 189 games and hey that's part of it yeah, man, managers are hired to get fired
0: did it affect you to get fired
1: well, I signed to manage Seattle, which was an expansion club, and then in spring training, Bud Selig was out there every weekend trying to buy the club. In the last week of the season, the Seattle Pilots were sold to Milwaukee, and they told the equipment truck, drive toward Salt Lake City. If the club is sold, turn right to Milwaukee. <laughs> If it's not sold, continue north to Seattle.
0: Wow. All right, so the club was sold. You went to Milwaukee.
1: From Milwaukee, three years. And then I um, um, coach third base for Gene Malk in Montreal, three years. Two years in Atlanta. And then three years in the Giants. Then uh, five, four and a half years at Philadelphia coaching third base, and then back to Reds in '89 with Pete, and '93 with Perez. How wonderful was, career. Wonderful career.
0: Well, anytime you have that type, I mean, it's a special career because you're you're on top of your profession, and you got on top of your profession. Uh, tell me about Atlanta. How was how was your experience with the Braves?
1: well I, I thought it would be a heck of a job. Uh, Furman Bishop asked me at the press conference said Eddie Robinson said he wants to hire a fiery manager." and he said, "Did you fill that bill?" And I said, "Yeah, I've been fired five times <laughs> but i uh I, I was, Turner bought the team in the winter time and fired Eddie Robinson. And uh, it, uh, I just didn't. Turner and I didn't hit it off. He didn't like me, and I didn't like him. Well, you, and you know, we had some pretty good players there. No, so you're, say, Evan, you're saying Bill you and Ted Necro. Turner,
0: you and Ted Turner didn't like each other. I didn't think so. What well, did it didn't stem back from? You know, he went to Macaulay, you went to Baylor. It didn't stem back from that, did it? Because you know, Baylor well, Macaulay people. <laughs> they don't like each other man
1: no you know it just didn't work out but hey that's uh, i told you earlier you're hard to be fired well
0: tell me tell me as a manager tell me as a manager the best things that you did to motivate people and some bad things that that uh you learned from that this didn't work or that did work. Tell me a couple of things as a manager, as a coach that you did that, that you liked or, or that you didn't like. Well, uh, and, and, and do it now because you're still coaching at Young Harris.
1: Well, I've always made myself available for practice. I mean, in the minor leagues, you worked out in the morning teaching because it's a lot of teaching. And I tried to get, you know, I wanted my players to be the best. And if they're gonna send me good players, I want to send them back to their mama's daddies in the season, better people and better uh,
0: players. Talk to me about better people. So what? What? what I mean, so you all worked well, I on. I think
1: you have to have some character to be a good player. Character comes into a lot of it too.
0: We we talk and, about in uh, basketball. We talk about having championship character, and if you don't have championship character, you'll wilt. When the when the Yeah, you've got
1: to have that. That's what I talked to those guys about. I talked to those guys at Young Harris. I said, We got a lot of players this year. Some of you aren't gonna play. You've got a got good attitude this fall. Let's see how it is when you're sitting on the bench. You still gotta have that good attitude and be a team person. I'll give you a good example. How about that McConnell guy that plays for Duke? You don't ever see him, and all of a sudden, it's Syracuse. He comes in and helps win the game, and last night, he, he 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 filled in. That's what you've got to have on a good team.
0: He doesn't look put like John though. You put a does role he?
1: player in sometimes, and he shoots a bunch of threes <laughs> that helps you win. Well, I, but he sits over and keeps his mouth shut, and he's ready when his time is, you know, you punch him in.
0: Well, I, I, I'm a big believer of this, Coach. I'm a big believer that if you're over there as a player and you're sulking and pouting and and that when your time is called, you're not going to be ready. And and you, you've got to have a great attitude because you never know when your time's called. You never know when Wally Pipp's going to get sick. And you never know when something's going to happen in front of you that you're going to have to be forced into action. And if you're not That's ready. That's true.
1: Look at all the players at Duke who've got to be fill in now when Williamson's hurt. They better be ready, and uh, some of them are showing they are.
0: Was so uh, same thing in the majors. Same thing in the major league. You still got to have that great attitude. You're not playing because you're also getting paid on that level, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Now somebody's
1: going to get hurt before the season's over. You better be ready.
0: Your first and contract. The guys
1: are ready to go fill in. I, I, That's the guys that you want on your team.
0: I want to know your first attitude again. Attitude. Well, it's all about attitude. It's I. Th- I think talent. Uh, yeah, the first thing you said is you're you're you know you have to have some ability, but yeah. I think there's a lot of guys with ability, coach that that don't have championship character or don't have any character and can't make it. And, and you can't even see their ability because they can't get on the field because they're such a pain in the tail and they're so high-maintenance off the field, you can't even tell if they have any ability at all. Yeah. So that, that happens all the time, I'm assuming, in the in the big leagues, even though you're getting paid.
1: Uh, and another thing, too, uh, about coaching, you've got to be good to you people because, hey, they're yours. You That's what you've been given. You can't down them all the time there's got to be love to it and caring you got to care for your player, and i think today's players you get more with sugar you do vinegar
0: (laughs) all right so so your love for your players that's vital even on that level even on the majors even in the big yeah hey
1: heck yeah
0: talk to me about your staff talk to me about Staff chemistry, if you got to love your staff, if you're putting pressure on your staff, tell me about how you dealt with your staff when you were a manager.
1: Well, I, I always tried to hire good people who uh, cared about the players and knew their role, especially the third base coach. Uh, the third base coach and the pitching coach are two valuable people, in the, or any coach is. Because hey, he interacts with the players sometimes more than the manager does. Because of uh, especially today with all the media, the coaches really have to be on top of the game. I think.
0: So I mean, you guys were a very tight knit group. Yeah, I think I think a coaching staff has to have great chemistry. I don't think there can be any dissension or or anything oh, there can like be. Th-
1: second guessing. No, no, no.
0: So that was very important on that level also.
1: I think so, yeah. C- certainly is. Certainly is. Uh,
0: if you could do it again, if you could do it again and you could coach and manage again, I know you're doing it right now in a different capacity, is there anything you would change on how you conducted your business?
1: No, I... Yeah, I probably wouldn't have as many meetings as I did. Uh, but it was all in the teaching situation trying to get them to be better because you know the attention span in in uh, education 101 you were taught that the attention span is not too long for some people <laughs> and you can't keep harping 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 all the time let them go play let them go play and i still i still like what bob huggins says that I ask you, and every once in a while, it's not all bad.
0: Coach, you know what's amazing? Uh, you just now you're you're eighty five, correct? Yeah, yeah. When do you turn eighty uh, six? In June. And you drive down. You drive what thirty minutes? You, you, thirty
1: or forty minutes, young hires.
0: You, do you have a car? Or are you hitchhiking down there.
1: No, I, I, I've got a car. <laughs>
0: because I would feel bad if I saw you on the side of the road. And I, I would pick you up because you look pretty harmless, so I would pick <laughs> you up, all right? So you're driving down 30, 45 minutes every day uh, to help those guys at Young Harris. You're 85 years old. You have a gift. You're sitting there telling me what Huggins is doing and that Williamson's hurt. McConnell's coming off the bench uh, from from down in Atlanta. Uh, coming off the bench to help them beat Syracuse. Uh, you're as sharp as you always were, and you gave us great tidbits this morning to help young coaches, business guys. You just got to – it still revolves around loving you guys and caring for you guys and, and, and holding them accountable, correct? You bet. You bet. And and the difference the difference between being good and great, like a Pete Rose or somebody just solid – was was his desire to be just the best, and jeans, <laughs> yeah, and, and jeans. And you ain't talking about Levi or Wrangler jeans. You're talking about <laughs> jeans that, that he's got yeah. within. Uh, yeah. and, and and then once again, the the fear of failure. You didn't want to go back home. No. Tell me your. But fir- I'm homesick now. <laughs> T- tell me, tell me your first contract, and then I'm gonna let you go. Your first contract. How much did you sign for your playing in the majors? Tell me your first contract.
1: Well, listen, I I had a football scholarship to Georgia Tech, which was worth something, right? Yes, sir. So they made sure that I had a four-year scholarship in my thing, and I made $300 a month going to Wells, West Virginia.
0: So you made 300 bucks a month. And we were
1: riding home from Kingsport to Welsh one night, and the brakes went out on the bus. And everybody broke to the door, and the big manager, the great big guy, Mike Blazo, he he said, no, no, boys, the manager's the leader. He goes first. (laughs) And that's where I learned leadership.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, I bet you got story after story after – you need to write a book.
1: No, I don't. No,
0: no, no. Well, look, we appreciate your time this morning, and um, I'm glad now you know what a podcast really is. So you're in great <laughs> shape. And just be honest, we've never had a, a, a professional or former professional coach on with us. And um, but I mean, I just appreciate your insight with Pete Rose. He's always been a hero of mine, and and I've fought and 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 I've fought for him all these years. I wish he would make it to the Hall of Fame before he. Uh, moves on and passes on but uh i just appreciate your insight with you and and the players and your coaching style and and you playing travel baseball back in the day i didn't know there were travel baseball back <laughs> back, back, back when, you okay. were, when, when you were okay when you're six i've enjoyed
1: it and i appreciate
0: it hey listen thanks again we'll talk to you soon we just appreciate your time
1: thank you thank you